here. Good to see you guys. Um, this is the light. Welcome to the light. Um, it, and we know that the Lord is our light, that Jesus is our light. But <clears throat> He's coming to us, and then we can be the light as He lives in us. But we've been going through a whole series now for several months on seeking God. Um, why we do, um, what are the benefits, what are the results of it. But our whole Christian life, as we said, is meant to be a pursuit of God. That's what it's all about. We're pursuing Him, not the things of the world. But we've come to this uh, point here, number seven, on why we may not be seeking God. Why not? Why aren't we? We talked about all these great benefits. It's what the Lord's will is for our life. Why wouldn't we be seeking God? And does anybody remember these that we went through real quick? Why we may not? Not saved. Yeah, if we're not saved, we don't really have a desire to seek the Lord. That's the foundation. What else? We talked about Mary and Martha from Luke. Busy, Luke 10. That was a great story about Mary and Martha. Busy. What do we say about being too busy? Distraction. Distraction. Martha was distracted by all the prep. Um, but busyness isn't an excuse, right? It might be a priority adjustment. But Mary chose what was the best. But anyway, I don't want to go through this all again, but what were some other ones? Idols, was that one? Idols? That sort of gets into the busyness. If we're pursuing something else, it may be an idol. If we're too busy for God. Um, Remember, always go back to the scriptures. So we talked about Luke 10, Mary and Martha. Then we went to Hebrews 12. Remember what we were doing in Hebrews 12? running this race, what got in our way, hindrances and sins, what are some hindrances? Worries. Worries, fears, stress, lack of what? Yeah, all these things, exactly. Not outright sins, but they hinder us in our, in our pursuit or seeking of God. What else? We said sins, and then he says run the race with perseverance. Why do we have to persevere? What comes into our life? Trials. Excellent. And then we talked about the love of the world. And now we're on to success. And we had such a great discussion last time, we didn't get beyond the first question, which was amazing. Um, and I'll get to the scriptures that we're going to use, but let's go over this again. Just quickly off the top of your head. How would you just define success for your life? For your personal life, what is success? Anybody care to shout out? I mean, we had all kinds of different answers and great, great discussion just on a few questions. But how would you define success in your life? Children following the Lord. Children following the Lord. Wonderful. <clears throat> what else? James? what you start without giving up ethics or morality and finishing, finishing strong. Finishing strong, completing what you've started, getting the job done morally. What else? When you think about your life, at the end of your life, I was a success because I... Followed God's plan for whatever my life was. Okay, followed God's plan. No debt. Mark? 
<laughs> Financial success, debt free. Okay. <laughs> Dave Ramsey, I'm sure you're talking about. Uh, all right. Very good. So we talked about that. There's a lot of different answers. How does the world define success? Money. Fame. Power. Popularity, position, prominence, prosperity, right? Would, that's sort of what we went through. Um, how does God define success? So we were getting into this. How does God define success? You've obeyed him. Obedience, okay. <laughs> Anything else? Because we all are going to be called to an account, right? Aren't we all going to stand? I mean, we're not going to be in the great white throne judgment. We're believers. We've accepted Jesus as our Savior for the forgiveness of our sins. But... A little bit, right? The Lord looks throughout the earth for those whose hearts are fully His. So, I mean, that's obedience on a, on a level, but there's that um, also that... Right, behind the obedience, right. Love. The motive behind the obedience, okay. The love, good. There are also the um, people who obey because they have to, but then there are the those who kind of go above and beyond. Like, what, what was the parable about the, the guy who left with all the money, who left the three different people with the talents, and mm -hmm. then what did the people do with the talents? Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. what are we doing with what he gave us? What are we doing with what he gave us? Exactly. Yeah, speaking of obedience um, <clears throat> and the motive behind it, when I was a kid, I obeyed pretty much out of fear. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't want my parents to be mad. I didn't want God to be mad. I didn't want Satan to get me. I didn't want to go to hell, you know, all these things. But as I grew closer to the Lord, it becomes you want to obey out of love, right? Because you love the Father so much that you don't want to disappoint Him or, or upset Him. Um, not that we would disappoint the Lord, but you know what I mean. Our hearts just want to do what's right out of love. If you love me, you will obey me. So it changes over time. Um, any other, what do you think, God, when he's going to sit down and... We're discipling others. And leading others. closer to him. Okay. So how are we doing with others? All right. Good. So those are... Those are very good. Um, we can talk a little bit more about it um, when we're through this passage. Uh, is worldly success a bad thing? Well, it depends on where it aligns with God's will. Okay. All right. Very good. Okay, so let's get into our scriptures then to find out how can success keep us from seeking God because it may not be a bad thing but can it keep us from seeking God can it be a stumbling block in our walk can it cause us to stop seeking him so this is from Deuteronomy Shane and Lori aren't here I don't know are they in on Ohio vacation. on vacation okay so I don't know if anybody loves to read like Shane does um, the scriptures any takers it's Deuteronomy chapter 8, 6 through 18, and 
I can read if is there any yeah, absolutely. Deuteronomy six or eight, six through eighteen. Therefore you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and have beautiful houses, and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions, and thirsty lands where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, and that he might test you to do good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. Very good. Thank you, Mark. I'll just open us up in a little prayer here as we go to the scriptures. Heavenly Father, how grateful we are for your word. We thank you for the truth that we can anchor to, that we can depend on. I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive your truth and change us, warn us, alert us, draw us near to you, that you, in the end, Lord, would have all of us, that our wills would be broken totally submitted to you. Have your way in us, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so we are talking about success, and it's a big part of our life, and we're all aiming for it. We all set goals, and it looks for all the appearance that worldly success is sort of what the Lord is telling the Israelites as they come out, right? What does he say, you know? Look at this land I'm going to give you. Streams and pools of water. They were in the desert, so that sounds pretty good. Springs flowing in from valleys and hills. Weed and barley, fig trees, etc. So the Lord is not necessarily against the things of the world, I wouldn't think. And when we read Proverbs, etc., the wise tend to be more wealthy, right? But yet wealth can cause problems. So I don't want the there's a tension that we talked about, but let's we're going to go into success here to see how it can be a stumbling block because he's warning the Israelites. And the first one I put down was comfortable. Success can lead us to become comfortable. Um, would you agree? Oh yeah. Right. What I mean again? Look, we have we have water. We have everything we need to eat. Fig trees, pomegranates. I mean, it's excessive. Olive oil, honey. We won't lack anything. Um, he goes on to say, um, you know, you'll eat, you'll be satisfied, you'll build fine houses, settle down, 
When your herds and flocks grow large, your silver and gold increase. You'll have plenty of everything. We become comfortable. When we become comfortable, we have to be careful because then where is our security? Where is our hope? I said, eventually, when we have everything we believe we need, that's pretty much everything they needed, they believe they need, then we start believing in the things of the world. We become comfortable. I said, uh, eventually we start believing that it is the things of this world that are our source of happiness and security. We put our hope and trust in the things of the world, and as he said, you forget the Lord. So when we become comfortable, when we have all of our external needs met, we may forget the Lord. He's warning them. Be careful. Um, I liken it to, remember that Nissan I had, my first car? I mean, that thing was so not dependable that every time I turned it on, I was praying for the Lord to start it. And I was out in California, and, you know, on those busy, I'm like, you got to get me through. And twice I stalled in Southern California, and I, I heard every kind of word thrown at me. I can tell you that. Nobody stopped to help me. But um, Anyways, I was totally dependent on the Lord. Now, you know, if my car breaks, I can fix it. I'm not worried. Am I praying every time I turn on the car? Am I worried about getting to work? No, I'm comfortable. I've lost that absolute dependence on the Lord for everything. So we have to be careful when we're comfortable that we're not forgetting the Lord for what he has done because he goes on to remind him, he says, I led you through the vast and dreadful desert, that thirsty and waterless land with its snakes and scorpions. It's I who brought you water out of the rock. I gave you. So the Lord is providing for us all along. We have to be careful not to forget him. How then should I view my new car, my riches, our success in this life. How does God want us to view it? But he's, he's allowing it to happen. Blessings. Blessings from Tools. him. Tools. Very good. Do you have a scripture for that, tools? Let's go to First Timothy. So again, we're saying the Lord is giving them success, but there's a responsibility that comes with that success. First Timothy. First Timothy. First Timothy, chapter six. Where did I have this? Can you? I'll read. Does anybody want to read six? Let's see. Um, I'm looking here, seven, 17 and 18. Anybody want to read that? I will. Okay. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Right, and 19, you want to read? Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. Very good. So he's giving us right there how to handle success, how to handle riches and wealth, right? And those who are rich in this present world, don't be arrogant or haughty. 
put your, don't put your hope in the wealth, which is very uncertain, but put your hope in God who richly provides and then command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and generous and willing to share. Okay, so when we are blessed and we hold on to it, it's very dangerous. We have to take the blessings that he gives us with an open hand because they're not ours. Right, they're given to us by God, yes, for our enjoyment. That's, we have a good God, not a stingy God, a very good God who wants to bless us. But if our hands are open, he can continue to bless them. If we hold it tight, it's going to dry up. If we open it up, we let it go on to others, and we're, we're laying up wealth in heaven for us, laying a firm foundation here. Uh, where does God want our hope to be? Yeah. Him. Be careful. We have to be careful that if we're trusting in our riches, our job, whatever it may be, it may be taken from us in a moment. Even relationships. Our hope can't be in the relationship with people on this earth because that can be taken away through death or, or whatever it may be. So our hope, our security has to be in Christ and Christ alone. What are, your, what are you anchoring your hope and security on right now? Chris has learned, right? In Christ alone. Right, that's the only thing. I mean, he told us to be a useful vessel and you have to give everything up to be that useful vessel that the Holy Spirit can pour into and he directs your path. Right. So we hold on to Christ alone because the job, the health, all of it can be snatched from you in a moment's notice. Um, we use the blessing to all the other people in the body of Christ to bless us through this time. Mm-hmm. So we have to always keep a constant, that's what he's reminding the Israelites, keep a constant check. Where's my security? My bank account, my job, my health, my family. Again, nothing wrong with those. They're all good things, but they can't be our security. Our security has to be Christ. Our hope has to be in him. He has to be what, what we trust in. Turn to um, Jeremiah. This is how he feels. Jeremiah 17.5. I also didn't realize in that passage that uh, me being such a hottie was unbiblical. <laughs> oh wait, this spelling, I'm good. H O T T Y. Felicia's elbow. Um. All right. Jeremiah seventeen five. Anybody, I can read that too, but it just you know it reminds us as we go through these, we're sort of seeing the Lord's heart. Jeremiah 17, this is 75. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. All right, so we have to be very careful. Our, our security, our trust is not in things of this world or in man. It does take... We are being transformed by the renewing of our mind as we read these scriptures. God is teaching us to think the way he thinks, not the way the world teaches us to think. The world says, oh, you have a big bank account, you're fine. You got good lab numbers at your doctor's office, you're fine. You know, it's it just God's teaching us, no, that's not it. I'm your security, I'm your strength, I'm your hope, trust in me. He also says, I wrote down the other one, Isaiah 31, 1. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help, 
who rely on horses, who trust in the multitude of their chariots and in the great strength of their horsemen, but do not look to the Holy One of Israel or seek help from the Lord. So again, where are we looking? Are we looking to our riches, the things of the world, or are we looking to, to the Lord, to Christ? So be careful that we're not getting too comfortable. Again, I'm not bashing the things of the world and what the Lord blesses us with in this world, but they can become a snare. They can become a trap. All right, so the first one is comfortable. The second one. Go ahead, question. Also, it's being comfortable, and that might go into your second point, but if we're comfortable, we tend to not want to become uncomfortable. And We do everything to keep our comfort. To keep it, and that will tend to make us maybe avoid something the Lord is pushing us toward because we're comfortable. Right. And I don't want to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So... Comfortable, what my Bible says, what it says, lack nothing. So what I put in there for comfortable, lack nothing. So, you know, lack nothing, be careful. Because we always need the Lord. Complacent is the next one I put down. Rick, go ahead. Um, this goes back to that chapter in Deuteronomy. It says, beware lest you say in, in your heart, my power and and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Right, and we're going we're gonna to get more into that. We, that's my third point, is that we have confidence. to... The confidence. Uh -huh. Exactly. So the first one, if our external needs are all met, we become comfortable, we tend to lack nothing, we'll forget God, or we'll avoid the things of God, as Gina said. So number two, satisfied. What does he say here? He says, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing when you have eaten and are satisfied. Okay, so now this is our hungers, our desires are, are met. We're satisfied. We can become complacent. And again, he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. I so said, the things of the world fill us and meet our temporary desires so there's no longer a hunger for him. If all my desires on this, all my fleshly desires are satisfied, our hunger, I said, will eventually forget the Lord. Our time with him will become less necessary and thus less passionate and less frequent. If all of our needs are met, we will become complacent, satisfied of the things of this world, and it's easy to forget the Lord. Would you agree? When you're going through periods of where everything's great, no problems, it's easy to let the prayer life slip. All of a sudden, ooh, I got a terrible diagnosis or something bad's happened. Where do we go? Boom, right back to the Lord. We're trying to develop that we're right with the Lord all the time, not only in crises. That's why we go back when we seek Him, we seek God for who He is. Because then it doesn't matter what's going on in my life. Plenty, nothing, pain, no pain. I'm seeking God for God, for who He is. Not something He can do for me. Not that that's not part of it, we know that. But again, that goes back to why we seek God that we talked about. But if we're completely satisfied, if all of our hungers, our internal desires are met, we don't need God. 
So now would we agree? What does James say about trials? Right. Why? Why are your faith produces perseverance? So we can see that the difficulties in life, again, we're looking to think the way the Lord thinks. We see these trials as such devastating things in our life, but the Lord's saying, oh, wait a minute. This is good for you. I'm perfecting you. I'm making you mature, complete. Guarding you, perhaps, from becoming complacent and satisfied. So we take a different view of the trials in our life. And ultimately, where does our satisfaction come from? If we're being satisfied from the world, we have to be careful. We know it's only temporary, it promises a lot, but it ends up enslaving us, etc. But if we're being fed from the world, we have to be careful. Um, where is our, what's our only source of satisfaction, true satisfaction? Christ. Knowledge of God. Right. Relationship <clears throat> with Christ. What does he say in John 6? John 6, 35, we know this, because here he says, listen, I gave you manna from heaven that you lived on, and Jesus is saying, hey, wait a minute. What does Jesus tell us? Who's the real manna from heaven? And you, you eat of me? Right. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. All right, so he has to be, again, we're, this is a check on ourselves. Am I feeding from the world and keep feeding and I'm satisfied? Or am I feeding on Christ and truly satisfied? I'll never go hungry, never go thirsty. He wants that spot in our life. Not because he's an egomaniac, because he knows it protects us. When he's our source of everything, then, he, then we're protected from, from being complacent, from being satisfied and drifting. And we all know Christians who have been blessed and all of a sudden their weekends are spent at the lake and their new house, with their new boat, they're not at church, and eventually you're like, hey, what happened to so-and-so? They're not here anymore. Blessings led them to forget God. So embrace the trials. They're going to keep us anchored in Christ and remember our ultimate satisfaction it has to be in Christ and Him alone. All right. So external needs, we get comfortable, we lack nothing. Internal desires, our hungers, when they're met, we're complacent, we're satisfied. And the third thing is, is sort of what Rick was alluding to, and I put down confidence or self-reliance. So what does he, Rick read it for us. Um, 17 and 18. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Interesting how, how they're thinking. My power, my wealth, for me. Sort of the opposite of what we read in Timothy. Right? We're blessed to be a blessing to others, and the blessings come from God. Um, but remember, the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers, as it is today. God's faithful. 
He will provide everything you need. Everything you need. Right? That doesn't mean we're all wealthy. But perhaps that's a blessing. Because when I stand before the Lord, I want His blessings, not the blessings from the world. So remember, I said, when we become confident or self-reliant, we believe that our wisdom, <coughs> our creativity, our resources, our hard work, hey, I worked hard. My strength, my power have achieved the success. And then we subtly begin to believe what? I can do it myself. Who needs God? I can do it myself because I've accomplished all this. And thus we stop seeking Him for our strength and for guidance. We forget that it is God who gives us life, breath, strength and the ability to produce wealth so we're confident in ourselves what does this say about our weaknesses so the world views our weaknesses as oh something devastating this is terrible you mean you can't do this or you don't have that or you have this deficiency man what a bummer what does God say about our weaknesses Right. So we know that if you look in 2 Corinthians 12, you guys know this, right? He's a, Rick is alluding to it. What did Paul say? 2 Corinthians 12. To keep this is Second Corinthians twelve seven and on to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Three times he pleaded with the Lord, take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. You guys want the Lord's power? Absolutely, right? I don't want my power, I want his power. Therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, flipping the way the world views our trials, our heartaches, our suffering, flipping our weaknesses to say, you know what? God knows what he's doing. I'm going to trust him. He's keeping me. When you talk like this, it's an example I have. When I lost my vision in my eye, mm-hmm. I went back to work. Uh, plenty of people, one person I can remember, say, oh, I'm starving. The tragedy you lost that. I said, no, it's a blessing. They could not wrap their heads around mm-hmm. that being a blessing. I lost that vision. But I went back with no problems, doing job fine. Mm-hmm. And I said, when you think about it, it's all around. The next person I'll see on that app, I see again, will be Jesus. Right. Because he's yeah. giving me the blessing through this whole trial. The world couldn't wrap their heads right. around that. The world doesn't understand that exactly. We think differently than the world. Absolutely. Um, Anything that keeps us dependent on the Lord is going to be good. Even if it's a thorn in the flesh and it hurts, but it's keeping me dependent on the Lord. It's keeping me on my knees. That's what Paul's saying. Gosh, I got all this blessing, but he needed to give me something because I would become proud, conceited. I did this. Look at me. Look at my knowledge. Rick. Just thinking of that. Like, imitation this, game. Imitation game. Oh. We watched this movie 
I guess it's been made public a while ago. This guy from England, mm -hmm. uh, he cre he created the first computer, and so he's a real brilliant guy, homosexual, but okay. Mm -hmm. um, now we're reading, the, we're reading about code. like if homosexuality is is innate and all, all, all right. that stuff. Right. Like some research is by what? Right. what, what? Hopkins. Hopkins has dis <laughs> is dismissing that it is lately. That's what oh, really? Been Interesting. Doing news. Yeah. Um, so um, he uh, cracks the code, and this is for real during the war, so that we would know the coordinates of every ship and and U-boat. So this is how we actually won. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the war, when it's all over, he, he says, people are thanking God. No, I did this. Mm. Now, okay, so um, he ends up committing suicide. Mm -hmm. And right. be before he, he you know, mm -hmm. committed suicide, everyone's like, you know, I'm looking at these people that would have been dead if not for you, and da 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 da, -da. Right. And, you know, mm -hmm. when you have that much brain power right. and that you've done something that good for the world I mean right. how can you not say it's all about me but right. then what what made him kill himself mm -hmm. exactly so it's only in Christ um, only in Christ and through Christ when we start thinking it's ourself that's a tough position to be in too when you start thinking it's yourself who's achieved all this then you become nervous and worried because it's got to be you that keeps doing it if you say hey it's not me it's Jesus I'm just dependent on his power wherever he goes I go um, again that's pride and I was going to stop at seven you know because I like the number seven <laughs> but next time we're going to go over how pride can keep us from seeking God and, and we'll just We'll just say number one that James brought up, not being saved. We'll just put that in a different compartment. So I'll still have seven. <laughs> okay. Um, but yes, um, we become proud. If all of our internal needs are met, we become confident. We no longer need God. I can do this myself. I'm not dependent on Him. Um, so weaknesses, we can rejoice in as Paul did because they keep us dependent on him uh, we start seeing again seeing things the way God sees them and not how the world has trained us all these years that's why it's so important to be in the word to be transformed let the Holy Spirit transform you what I'm saying the scriptures I'm bringing you go over them in your own heart and mind let the Holy Spirit work and do his work so we got a couple minutes here. You know, it tells us in Deuteronomy, you know, how to handle success, really. But I'm not going to get to that right now because I want to talk about a few more things. What what is true success now? When we look in the scriptures, when we look in the scriptures now, when we look back at our own life. Because we will be judged and called to an account by a loving Father and we'll be blessed for the things that you know we've done in accordance with His will. But what if I look through the Scriptures, what can I say, what can I... This is what I'm shooting for. This is my goal in life. My big goal, my ultimate goal. So if we turn to... Let's see, what should I do first? 
let's let's turn to we know this Matthew <coughs> six. Let's go to Matthew first. I got a few moments. So we're thinking the big picture. You know what? I want to be success in the Lord's eyes. It doesn't. Did I ever say perfect? I'm saying perfect. This isn't about being a perfect person, but this is about being successful in the Lord's eyes. So let's go to Matthew 6, and this is verse, this, this sticks with our theme, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. Okay, so when we're seeking, if I'm seeking the success of the world, be careful. If I'm seeking the Lord first, the Lord will add all these things to us. So careful what we're seeking, okay? So if I'm going to be a success, I want to seek the Lord and His righteousness, His kingdom. That's His will in my life, okay? So again, when we talk about being broken, that's brokenness. When my will is broken. Right? Because the Holy Spirit comes into us and we're a new creation, a new creature. So that part of me is not broken. Get that? How can the Holy Spirit... I'm a new creation. You're telling me I'm broken? Come on. So the Holy Spirit comes into us. We're a new creation. But our will is broken. It's like that horse... That stallion, and now his, he's going on his own. We break him. Now he's in complete submission to the Father. Okay, so we seek him first, his kingdom, that's his rule in our life. That's a success. That's our driving force. I want to know God. I want to know him. I want to live my life for him. I want his will to be done in my life. That's number one. Number two, go to Matthew 10. I want to seek after him. I want his rule in my life. And then he says in 37 and on, Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life loses it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Okay, he's talking about it. And then this goes on um, in Luke 14. Also, he's to be his disciple, to follow him. We're going to seek after him. We're going to follow him. But if we are, this is what's required, right? We take up our cross. We follow him. It's not about me anymore. Again, it's that broken will. But then we really gain life, right? So now we're gaining our life. Third thing. So this is how we're looking. Am I seeking after God with all my heart? Would I be considered his disciple? Am I loving anything more than him? Am I not willing to be broken? Am I not willing to say, okay, God, do what you need to do to me so that I am in complete obedience and submission to you? All right, we want to be his disciple. So this is success, seeking after him, being his disciple, a true follower of the Lord. And then the third thing, let's go to Matthew 22. This sort of goes with what Amber was saying. 
What's the motive behind all of this? 22-37-38-39 Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Alright? That's going to sum it all up. All this, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So we're seeking after him. We're becoming his disciple because we love him. And then we love others. And then the works that he's called us to do, he has works. They're prompted from him and his love for us. And through all of this, it's a fellowship. It's an intimacy with Christ. So we're becoming more like him, knowing him more, loving him more. But that... I think is a biblical definition of true success. When we look back at our life, hey, did I seek after God or the world? Was I a follower of Christ or a pretender? Did I lay down my life for Him? Or did I seek after my pleasure, my will, what I want? And then finally, did I love? Did I love like Christ loves? Love Him, and then He fills me with love so I can love those around me. Very different it's very different from the way the world loves. The world's love is very self-orientated. It's all about me. Got to make me happy. It's very self-centered. Okay, it's earthly achievements. What I accomplish. All my money. My position. That's what the world's success is. That's the world's love. So we have to be careful that we're not preoccupied. It's very difficult. Very difficult not to become preoccupied with the things of the world. Materialism. Advancement in my job. Again, none of these things are wrong. People. Pleasing people. Be careful. I want all my relationships. I want peace everywhere I go. So I'm compromising what's right. Careful that we're not preoccupied with the things of the world and loving the world. The world will say you're successful, but we want to be successful in God's eyes. All right, so I have to wrap it up here, but remember, so success, again, the Lord allowed them. The Lord wanted to bless them, but he gave them a warning. The warning is don't become too comfortable, <coughs> complacent, or confident. Remember who the blessings come from. Give him thanks. Give him praise. Make sure you're being obedient. Um, use it to bless others, etc., and guard against pride. And we're going to talk about pride next uh, Sunday as the final in this long series of Seeking God. Um, all right. I'll close in prayer. And we'll see you guys next Sunday. Remember the safe families and anything else. It should be on Facebook, right, Gina? Father, we are grateful you've opened our eyes to your truth. I pray that you would humble our hearts, quiet our minds, focus us on you, Jesus. Let us see the truth of any situation we're in. God, let us view it like you view it. Help us to remember your promise to be with us. Give us everything we need through it that you will work it out for your good and your glory. God, you're faithful. You're so loving and kind, so merciful, patient, compassionate with us. God, we owe it all to you. 
the blessings you've given us, Lord. Let us keep our hands open and trust you. Help us to be cheerful givers, generous in our heart, knowing, God, that you will care for all of our needs. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus and his blood. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. See you guys, Lord willing, next Sunday. Gina, should they, if anybody brings anything, would next Sunday be a good date? And then we can get to the safe families. Anytime, just drop it off at the church. Sound good? Uh, I mean, some, either Michael or Michael or, the best, okay. Well, at our house, you mean? or? Oh, I'm just saying yeah, Sunday. Okay. Drop it off here at the church. Yeah, Gina, it's, it's fine. Either we or us. Okay. Um, so for Michael or us. We have. Okay. We'll put it Okay. Should I just email it to you? That'd be great.